Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to the Activation Class, Becoming Who You Are, taught by Teaching Pastor Daryl Feaster. Okay. <clears throat> to become who you are depends on not just knowledge, not just process, but it depends on practice. Putting into practice the Word of God. In Luke chapter 6, it talked about uh, these words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. It's not just improvement to your already standard of living. They're foundation words, words to build a life on. And then he tells the story about the wise builder. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep, those who belong to me, hear my voice. And I know them, that's a, a know of experiential knowledge, and they follow me. And here's the thing, we can hear his voice and know him and know all this, but the follow is the putting into practice. The follow is not just the information, but letting his word determine my life. I'm listening not just so that I'll have answers, I'm listening so I'll have guidance. I'm listening so I'll have God's Authority, God's Word. 1 Timothy 4, 7, to become who you are depends upon practice. 1 Timothy 4, 7 in the New Living Translation says this, Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. What that says is, I've heard it said. <laughs> well, I've always been taught. Don't, don't let those, don't put into practice those things, in other words, don't waste time arguing over that. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Philippians, where we've been talking about Philippians 2, where it talks about work out your own salvation and fear and trembling, for it is God at work in you, for God is working in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. We're to work out what God is working in. We're to work out those things that God's working on in our lives. So, Paul says in Philippians 4, 9, put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I love that. He'll work you into his harmonies. There are practices that help train us in becoming who we already are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say this again because I think sometimes we lose it. When you came to Jesus Christ and said yes to him, God did a spiritual work in you that literally birthed you from above. You became a new creation. Old things passed away. Everything became new. Whether you realized it, whether you understood it, I just want you to know when you said yes to him, God did a work. It was his work. It's by grace we are saved. We just had faith. We just believed it. But in the process of that, you've got to understand that that, that was just beginning. That was just having the baby. <laughs> okay? And now that baby's going to grow up. 
to become what it was all. Now, how many of you know that the baby already has everything necessary, everything it's going to get with its born that it's ever going to need? The baby already has it. Right, Amanda? All right? They, what then is the process is they grow up into what they already have. They grow up, they learn to use everything they were given, and they mature and become who they were born to be. All of life's experiences are involved in that growing up. It is no different in your spiritual life. All of life's experiences are involved in your growing up to become who you are. But I want you to get this, you are already that. You have everything necessary. The Bible says you've got everything necessary for godliness. It's already been given. You've got it all. What's lacking is me stepping in and growing up in the things that I've already got. So what we're talking about is that stepping in. We're talking about the practices that, that's obvious in Scripture that we can put into practice that will help us become who we already are. And so, Paul urges in Philippians 4, 9, that I put into practice what I've learned from him. What you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God who makes everything work out will work you into his most excellent harmony. These practices are training. Traditionally, they're called spiritual disciplines. Okay? And this word discipline, it's an amazing word. In, in the Greek, it's paideia. And it means to provide instruction with the intent of forming proper habits of life, of providing guidance for responsible living. It's what parents and teachers do to train, correct, cultivate, and educate children in order to help them develop and mature as they are. In Hebrews, it says, the Lord disciplines, and the King James, it says chastises, but it's the word disciplines. The Lord disciplines those he loves. He trains you. Train up a child in the way he should go, and what's the answer? When he's old, he'll not depart from it. This training is the word discipline. So, what are these practices? Okay, what are these practices that that God has developed? Now, I want to say this up front. There's, the Bible doesn't give us a list of practices. But practices are revealed in the Bible. Remember, in, Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus talks about when you pray, when you fast, when you read the Word, when you, you know, when you marry, when you... All of these are practices that he's talking about. He just said, when you do these things, there's this common expectation. The Apostle Paul says, what you've seen in me, do. Pastor Chris is preaching this morning about imitate, imitate. As I imitate me, as I imitate Christ. Put into practice what I am watching Jesus put into practice. And so, that's my training ground. And every experience in your life becomes your training ground by which you can put into practice that which God's Word says. So, there's no list, and yet there's the teaching of it. So, 
I put down your paper a list from Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, and I highly recommend it's kind of heavy reading, but it's an incredible book that talks about how your body, soul, and spirit all work together in these practices and how your life can be transformed. Another book that we might even have a group that starts to look at is called Life As You Always The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And it's talking about these practices. And so if, if you're interested in maybe doing something more about this, there might be a time that we can start another, we can do another class to where we can talk more about this. But I'm just laying the foundation uh, of these practices. So let me just show it to you. It's on your paper. I think it's on the back page, right? There's disciplines of abstinence. What's the word abstinence mean? Things you don't do. All right, you do, but it's to get you to, to not do certain things, okay? Abstinence means I give up one thing for another, okay? Disciplines and engagements are the things that I do that I normally may not have done, all right? So, disciplines of abstinence, solitude, and this is their words, these are not mine. Solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, and sacrifice. Disciplines of engagement are study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, and submission. Now, let me say this to you because I grew up uh, in a generation that made the disciplines. In other words, what were you told when you first came to, to Christ? What were you told? What do you need to do now that you've come to Christ? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Go to church. Pray. Given the Bible study, you know, and all. So I, what I caught in that was these are the duties that I need to do if I'm going to be a good Christian. If I'm going to be a good church member, okay, join a church, be baptized, get get in the Word. Well, that's real good, but what do I do when I get in the Word? What do I do? What do you mean pray? I don't know how to pray. You. The whole point is that what we tend to do is we, we got people into Christ, but then we just kind of backed up and said, okay, now you got it. Now you got it. Actually, now you got him. And here's the thing. Here's the clincher. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you're going to go to heaven when you die. And you know what we've done? We've allowed death to become the thing that changes us. Death has more power than the life of Jesus in me now because death is going to make me okay. Death is going to make me right with God. Death is suddenly going to be the, the doorway into God's presence so that I'll be what I've always intended to be. No. The resurrection, Jesus was raised so that you could become that now and you will live it for all eternity. You'll know the completion of it, the fullness of it. Death becomes a doorway into the fullness, not a change agent that suddenly changes you. I can get passionate about that because we are getting robbed out of the life of victory that God has given for us. We're, we don't step into the process, so we live in the drudgery of living here hoping that someday I'll go to heaven when I die. And if you live like most people live, you wonder if that's really going to be true. How can I live this way and go to heaven? Okay? 
And so we have all these things that we can... No, you're okay, you're okay. Well, God may be saying, no, you're not okay. There's things I want to transform in your life. How I want you to become who I created you to be when I birthed you from above. Okay. So disciplines, practices, the reason I said all of that is because what we tend to do is we turn them into works that will make us right with God. Disciplines are not works that make you right with God. You hear me? They don't make you right with God. Jesus made you right with God. Jesus forgave all your sins. Jesus is the one who washed you, cleansed you, made you. You can approach boldly the throne of grace because of Jesus, not because you've done the disciplines. Well, I can't pray because I haven't done, or I can't read the Bible because I haven't. No, they're not works. They are practices in relationship. They're practices. Now, here's the thing. They're not works as opposed to grace. Well, I thought I was saved by grace. I don't have to do these works. They're not works. In fact, I liked what Willard said. I wrote it on your page so that you would have it too. Willard states, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So what's that mean? Grace actually empowers your effort. When I'm telling you about you need, you can do these things, I'm telling you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and He will equip you, urge you, move you, and even enable you to do the very things we're talking about. You're not left alone. You're never going to be alone again. So you can ask Him, God, I don't know how to do this. Help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm reading this, and I don't understand it. Help me. The author lives in me. He knows what it means. And if I'll let him, he will guide me. In fact, the Bible, Jesus said the Spirit will guide you into all truth. He'll guide me into what's real. And so as I trust him, as I depend on him, grace is not opposed to effort, though. Just because I've been saved to grace doesn't mean that I don't ever have to do anything to walk in this grace life. Grace itself will move me. <laughs> Grace is God's empowering presence that enables me to become what he already sees me to be. So grace is not opposed to the practices. It, en it enables the practices to develop the relationship you've always wanted with Jesus. Okay, I get preaching, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You practice, you train, you make the effort. Not to earn something, but to develop, mature, grow in the relationship. If you want to lose 10 pounds, what do you do? You abstain and you engage. Now we know that about a mere losing 10 pounds. If I want to know Jesus better, I'm going to have to let go of the things that are going to keep me from knowing him and engage in the things where I can get to know it. If I want to gain 10 pounds, if I gain 10 pounds, I start working out. <laughs> Why is it we can know all that to be true? If I'm going to learn to play the piano, if I'm going to learn to play the guitar, I've got to learn the truth <clears throat> And I've got to put it into practice. 
We know that for our physical life. We know that for all the things that we've grown up in. And yet we think that it's just going to happen spiritually. Okay, you follow me? Alright. So when I'm talking about practices, I'm not talking about something that's going to make you better with God. I'm talking about something that's going to develop what you already got. Alright? So... Nobody drifts into this one. Nobody loses weight unless you're sick. Right? <laughs> I mean, it just is, or at least in my experience, I used to be 6'2 and weigh 135 pounds. I've changed. Now I'm six foot and weigh too much. <laughs> and I got there by practice. <laughs> So what's it take to put it into practice? Desire, I've got to want it. Intention. Here's the thing. Here's most of us have a desire and we want it. We intend we intend I intend to lose ten pounds. I intend to. I've been working on it a month. Actually I hadn't been working on it. But I intend to. We've taught, decided that we're not going to eat supper, so I smack. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, here's what I have all the intentions, and I have the desire. I want to look better. I know it's an amazing idea that I could. The whole point I'm trying to say is we do that with our physical lives, and we do the same thing with our spiritual lives. I intend to know Jesus. I intend to look better. I, I intend to get better in relationships. I intend to do what's right. I really want to. And let me, there's one other thing. I've got a desire. I've got to intend to. But then I've got to put it into practice. I've got to put it into practice. I play golf. I enjoy golf. But I, in fact, I used to have a real problem with slicing the ball. Slices kind of like that banana look. Thing. You hit the ball and you, you're aiming in the right direction, but it ends up in another. If I'm going to change and not hit a slice, I've got to change the way I think about my grip, think about everything. I've got to change the way I think, and I've got to change the way I swing. And I can't do that just knowing that I've got to change it. The only way I can really change is that I practice the new grip and the new swing. And I practice I watched the World Series. Y'all watch the World Series? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine how many balls they've hit to be able to hit a 95, 96 mile an hour fastball? You imagine how many swings they've taken at balls? Thousands. Millions. Years. Years. Years and years. And yet we think we're going to grow up spiritually Okay? So, we're talking about you don't drift into it. You've got to intend, you've got to desire it. And the reason we don't is because we don't desire it. Let me tell you, Betty said about time while ago, we have time for everything we desire. We have time for what we desire. We have time for most of what we intend. But if you're going to change, you're going to have to put it into practice. So let me use different terms between abstinence and engagement. Let's talk about unplug and plug in. Unplug. 
Get your phone. Turn it off. Unplug. What am I talking about unplug? I'm going to show you the disciplines. Unplug. Solitude. Silence. Fasting. Secrecy. Sacrifice. Unplug. In other words, I'm not unplugging because these things are evil. I'm unplugging to get out of the noise, to get out of all the voices, to get out of the things that I normally would be in in order for me to get to know. It's relational. There's a word that Connie uses with me. We've been married 46 years, almost 47 years, and there's a word that I know what it means. She says, I need time. That means I turn off the TV. Usually it means that we'll get out and we'll go riding because what we've got, she's wanting time alone with me. So when you hear solitude, don't think of it, I've got to get away. Think about it, I've got to get with the Father. I've got to get with Jesus. I, I've just got to get back. I've got to be still. I've got to come to a place where I really want, I really desire to know Jesus. I really want him to be the power and love. I want to be what God's intended me to be. And I, to do that, I've got to know him. So I withdraw from the things of this world. And it doesn't mean I have to go to a special place. Or, you know, Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet. He's talking about solitude and secrecy. It's a practice. So that the Father who sees you in secret will answer you in secret. Now, most of the people say, I've got to have a prayer closet. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, get to know me. And when you give me the solitude and the time, the Father will reveal himself to you. Okay? How many of you want to have revelation from God? Okay? All of us? Well, then what are we going to have to do? For us to have the relationship with him in such a way that we can get his revelations, I've got to get quiet. I've got to get away from the things that are drawing my attention away. I've got to be with him. Solitude. Okay? That's unplugged. Well, how do I plug in? Where do I find God? Where, what is the one thing that he's given us and preserved for years and years and years and years and years that we could really know what he said, what he's saying, what he what he's going to do, what he's promised, the Word of God. The Bible. So now, let me just show you. There's an absence. I unplug and I plug in to God's truth. I plug in to the Word. I plug in. I get into the Bible. When I was talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, some of your minds were going, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You can go to Matthew 5 through 7, read it, look at it, get along with God. Here's the thing. Most of us don't have time to read the Bible, do we? Because we have a unplugged. Now, how much time does it take you to read? I don't know. I found out something. If you're really hungry, how much time does it take you to eat? <laughs> Not very long. Or you can sit down at a three-course meal and eat and enjoy and taste and do all. So it's not about amount. It's not about time. It's about intention. It's about desire, intention, and practice. Okay? Unplug. Now, I want, to under, I want you to understand. I can unplug, get away, solitude. I can plug in with the Bible, and I can study. 
All that I'm talking about is about is about relationship. I don't read the Bible so I can answer Bible questions. I read the Bible to get to know God. I don't read the Bible because I've got this duty and I'll feel guilty if I don't. I read the Bible to get to know Jesus. I don't read the Bible so that I'll know the commands. I read the Bible so I can know guidance for my life. You follow me? It's relational. I plug in in order to gain from Him a relationship. I get to know Him. I unplug so I can be in His presence and get to know Him. I fast. I fast. I quit doing things for a period of time so that I can focus my attention on our relationship. All of these practices that I'm talking about, we're just talking about two this morning. We're talking about solitude and study because these are the first two, I believe, that really get you into the training ground of all the rest. Worship. Fellowship. Sacrifice. All of these. The whole point I'm trying to say is you've got to start practicing it. As I unplug, get alone in my secret place with God, I can read the Bible to listen for His voice, know His truth, and ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand it and to put it into practice. You're never alone. When you're in solitude, He's there with you. You're never alone. Never. When I feel alone... Then tell him. Because he's there. Well, I just don't know what to say. What would you say to, to somebody that's there? See, we've made all of this about you got to do it right. you got to do it. You know, and all it does is keeps us from the relationship. Connie, sometimes when we're up, it's not that she wants to hear my lovely voice. You say, we want to have time together. I don't, we, you know, there's times when you can literally get to feel disconnected because you've not been in presence. Alright? All of that stuff. What I'm telling you is, your relationship God will help you with your marriage. When you learn how to talk to Him, I find it's easier to talk to my wife. It's easier for her to talk to me. I hear with a different ear. Because of what God's been doing in my life. Now, so I'm unpleasant. So let me just give you let me give you an example, okay? Second Timothy three sixteen. It's on the bottom of your second page, on the back of your page. It says this: All Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed is the literal word, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Does anyone have the message translation in here? Does anybody have a Bible app? Okay, look up Joshua 1 8 in the message translation. Because I put on your notes, see Joshua 1 8 message. Madison, get there. Or Madison, whichever. 
Start reading when you get there. Joshua 1 8. Read it loud. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. Cross the Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on. Just as I promised Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country. He gave him a map. Keep going. Okay. And then west to the great sea. It's all yours, all your life. No one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage. You are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you. Every bit of it. Don't get, don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let the book of the revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going, then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage? Don't be timid, don't be discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. Thank you. This revelation, meditate on it day and night. Don't let it get away from you, because in it, you're going to have good success. In other words, Joshua, everything I promised Moses, man, I'm going to give it to you. Now think about this. Everything God promised Jesus, he's given to you. So don't let this revelation. So suddenly, all of a sudden, now I want to know what the Word says. What are my promises? What are, you know, and as I began to get into the Word, all Scripture is useful. That's what I'm doing. Now, I want you to, if you've got a pen, if you don't have a pen, I want you to look at that verse, 2 Timothy 3.16. I want you to circle what the Word is useful for. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to what? Teach us what is true. Teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Make us realize what's wrong. Would you realize this? That it's not just that the Bible is something I need to know. It, it is to teach me what is true. It's to make me realize what's wrong in my life. Now, let me tell you, you close that, that'll get you to close the Bible if you don't want to be free from it. If you don't want it to show you what's going wrong, but how many of us wish we could change our life? Well, guess what's going to do that? As I focus in and let God speak to me what's wrong, now listen to what he says then. It corrects us. It not only shows us what's wrong, it shows us the way out. And it teaches us what we need to do. So I unplug to plug in. In your relationship with the Father, you, you're not doing these things to get right with God. You're, you're a new creation, adopted, beloved. You do this to get to know all that the Father has for you. Okay. Let me read this verse at the end, and then I've got an assignment for you. I know you would love that. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3-8 through in the message. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. That's Jesus. 
the best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolute terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to the participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Isn't that good? That's what God's got for you. But each one of these things plays its part. Okay, here's my assignment. Next week, I want you, this, all this week, all this week, you have six days. Alright, six days. I want you to set a time and unplug. Well, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. You have the same amount of time as everybody else. Do you realize that? And do you realize God created time? So if you ask for help in setting a time, set a time. Well, how long, preacher? I don't know. Ask him. When? What do I do? Do you do it early in the morning or late at night or in the noon? I don't know. Why does it depend on me telling you? It's not a duty. It's an opportunity for you to get along with God. Set a time that you can unplug. What's unplug mean? Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Turn off. It also means stop the voices. Here's how you stop the voices. Father, I just put a hedge around my mind right now that I can focus on you. So would you give the Holy Spirit, would you give him the right and the angels right to, to just push everything back that would hinder me from knowing me, hearing you? You think God would do it? Let me tell you this. God wants you to know him more than you want to know him. Because he knows when you know him, it will transform you. So, set a time. And I know, I can hear the wheels turning. Well, I don't know what I could do that. I just, I just don't know what, how much time I have. You know, I just, I, you know, I get up already already. And I, you know, I just don't know. I know all the arguments. Ask for help. It's about a relationship. Okay? Then here's what I just want you to do. I want you to unplug in order to plug in. I want you to read one chapter in the New Testament this week. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter, yes, the whole chapter. (laughs) I want you to read it. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to see what, I want you to listen for the voice of God. I want you to, you remember what the the scripture was useful for? I want you to. I want you to see the truth in it. I want you to see what's what maybe God will point out that's wrong. I want you to see what God says that you can do. And I want you to see what God has promised you. I want you to see Him. I want you to get to know Him. I want you, and so meditate on memorize it. Colossians chapter three. You think I can memorize? Yes. You know how you memorize? 
You just repeat it. You just repeat it. You just repeat it. I would challenge you to read it out of different translations. There's a word I don't understand. You got a, you got a dictionary. Later on, after you get out of that time of solitude, look up the word. And let me tell you, think about it all day long, what you've read. You know what meditate means? It means to murmur. Some of you do that normally. <laughs> right? We murmur. It means you, you say it, you say it, you say it. You just keep it up. Keep it in front of you. Keep it in your mind. What, what God meant? It's your Holy Spirit. What, you, what does that mean? And yeah, you said I was supposed to do that. I don't, even, I don't have a clue how to do that. Okay. Would you help me? You know what you're talking about. But do it all week. Just one chapter. All week. Okay? Chris read a verse at the end of the service this morning that I want to close with. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Christ Jesus, the Master, and now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into Thanksgiving. Next Sunday morning, we'll close out this time with you telling us what the Father said. What you've learned. What you haven't what distractions, how hard it is to unplug, and how hard it is to plug in. I understand all that. I live that. I'm not telling you to do this and suddenly everything's going to change. You do know there's an enemy that's going to do everything he can to keep you from having time and, and keep you. Let me just give you a testimony. Connie, as we were growing up and the girls, we have a 40... What's Stacy? How old is Stacy? 45? Stace Shelley's 40. 44 and 41. Is Shelley 41? They're in their 40s. They're in their 40s. Okay. Early 40s. Early 40s. Here's what I want to say. When we were growing up, they were raised in our house. Connie had this gold chair in the room, and she would go, and when she was in the gold chair, the, the girls learned. That when Connie's in that gold chair, she's having her time with God. And she was reading scripture. And uh, sometimes she'd shut the door, sometimes she wouldn't. But we, they just knew that that's what. The reason I'm going to tell you this, Chris was preaching this morning, I just saw it. Connie used it, and we finally got rid of that gold chair, but it was threadbare. Because Connie would spend all of her time there, that's where she prayed. She prayed the word. In other words, instead of just reading it, she would pray it. She would pray it for me. She would pray it for our family. She would pray it for over, over our people. She would pray it. And so she learned how to pray. And so when she was praying the scripture, she memorized it. She didn't want, she didn't try to memorize it. She just memorized it because she was praying. And all the, the reason I'm telling you that now, we have two 40 year old women now who practice prayer. And solitude in the scripture. Both of our daughters to this day practice it daily and watch their mother do it. You can start now and you can affect the world because of your practicing what God has done. You can become 
who God made you to be. Practice. Right? It's a process. Now, why did I say 40 years? Why did I ask for that? Because it's been a 40-year process. And it still goes on. The chair's changed, but it still goes on. The whole point I'm trying to say is, if you want to become who God has created you to be, you've got to desire it, you've got to intend to do it, and then you've got to put it into practice. And you will learn your rhythm, your way of how to do it. Okay? There's no one way, there's no right way, wrong way, there's just a way. His name's Jesus. And you can get to know him. Alright, what are you going to do before next week? What are you going to do all this week? Unplug. Unplug. And plug in. What chapter? Colossians 3. Every day. Alright. And let me tell you this. I send you out an email. I'll probably send you more than one this week. But I sent you out an email and I purposely had left those emails listed there. You have everybody else's email in here. Won't you say, hey, have you done your Bible study today? <laughs> hey, did you unplug today? Because I heard Jeff say to his daughter, that's why. When I was running, I don't run anymore. But when I was running, what helped me to get up and run in the morning was that I knew somebody else was getting up and going to meet me there. That accountability made me get up when I didn't want to get up, get out and do what I didn't want to do because I knew somebody else was doing it too. You've got all of these people. I just encourage you. Ask God, God, who could I encourage today? Not test. Who could I encourage today? Has Betty got up this morning? Does she have time? Did you have to encourage me? All right. Let's pray. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray right now. I know this is more important to you than it is to us. So I pray right now that, Lord, you would help us, that you would inspire us, that you would move us, that you would bring to our mind this time that we would give you a space of time that we could unplug and that we could plug in to what your word in Colossians 3. Father, I'm asking you to speak specifically, directly, and encourage. And Lord, help us to put it into practice. It not just be words on a page, but it would be words that we could build a life on and we could put it into practice. Let us dig deep this week and hit bedrock. And you're our bedrock. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.